0: Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan show. Ireland's classic hits.
1: Happy Divorce Month, by the way, everybody. <laughs> it's, I it's probably not, because I can tell you I went through a divorce. There's nothing happy about it. Um, it's a very busy time of the year for our next guest. And as you know, we like interesting guests at the end of the evening. And since we all know divorces spike in the summer months... After the Christmas, as well, you know, that's what they do. They get busier because of things that happen and things that go wrong in relationships. With the MBA, a best selling book, and over 25 years of global business experience, divorce coach Mel Murphy specializes in helping women navigate life and career after divorce. Mel owns a divorce coaching Ireland, or divorce coaching Ireland, where she provides pre marriage courses, couples counseling, mediation, and divorce coaching support. And she joins me on the line. And she, by the way, if you want to send in a few questions, you're quite welcome to. Uh, in relation to divorce, you're quite welcome to send them in. You can text them in at 087-188-0008. Mel, good evening to you. Hello, Nile. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I know all about divorce. I did one about six years ago. My God. Oh <laughs> my goodness, how
2: did it go?
1: Well, well, actually, when I say six years ago, uh, it's more six and a half years ago. I I kind of got separated, but it took nearly five years to get divorced. It's the most, it's the most traumatic thing you'll ever go through in your life.
2: It is actually, it's actually known to be the most traumatic thing that anyone's going to go through. Um, Worse than, you know, moving house is what they always say or getting up in front of people to talk. It's uh, the most stressful thing and um, it's amazing there isn't more support for people out there.
1: And the thing about it is, we're not really supposed to talk about it. Like I can't talk about my divorce, apart from the fact that I can talk about it's traumatic. I can talk about, I believe a lot of it is unfair, quite unfair, in the way it's done, but I can't talk about it specifically because of the in-camera rule, um, which makes it very difficult for us to report on it in the newspapers or on radio or talk about how it's been done because family law in Ireland needs to be reformed as far as I'm concerned. It's a very difficult law yeah. to navigate. And the only people doing well out of it are barristers and solicitors. And they're the only ones that are making a lot of money out of it. It's a mess, isn't it, divorce in Ireland?
2: It is. And actually, they're in the process of reforming it at the moment. So there's a, there's a whole panel working on it with experts across different fields. Um, so I know that Helen McEntee is uh, very much focused on how could they improve the process through the family court, which is quite arduous and very upsetting for everyone involved at the moment.
1: But here, here's the thing, right? I, again, I can't go too much into my own case because of the, the in-camera rule. But I remember at the very start when our marriage broke down, talking about, look, we'll do this, this, and this. And no, 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 no. There was arguments on both sides and all that kind of thing, right? The usual stuff, right? Then you go through five years of in and out of courts, waiting for dates, da spending a fortune. And the end result is exactly what you said at the start. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, that-
2: it's the it's marathon of divorce, as I call it. <laughs> and um, I'll, if you could sit across the table... And do what's called collaborative divorce, where the lawyers can sit across a table with both of you next to each other, instead of in the courts in front of the judges, and argue things out. It can save a lot of money. So mm-hmm. collaborative divorce is something that's available out there in the specialists um, who are usually actually uh, practice in mediation as well. They usually have a mediation background who can kind of find kind of the common ground to start discussions on mm-hmm. and try to find – a. a Solutions a little bit in a, a bit more of an effective way. They but did. They did option, bring in
1: new rules possible. there a while. You you, you, didn't, you now have to go for mediation before you go for a divorce or separation, don't you? I think now they brought it. To uh,
2: it it's, yes, it, it was always strongly recommended, and they they hope you would do at least ten rounds um, of mediation. The problem is that sometimes one person is very very willing to go, and the other person isn't. Um, yeah, I know in the UK because I also practice in the UK. Um, it's actually mandatory to go for mediation now. Um, now, that's not always good, though, because unfortunately, if someone is in a course of control or abusive situation, um, when they go to mediation, if the mediator isn't practiced in seeing that and seeing the undercurrent, the other person could be too scared to say what they really need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, that's something that, that has come up uh, because I'm on the um, um, domestic abuse committee on the resolution board over in the UK, and that's a uh, um, uh, that's a group of solicitors and different members in uh, family disputes who come together looking for a more positive outcome in mm-hmm. um, domestic in, in divorce. Um, so Spe- well, speaking that of that, into, sorry for interrupting you.
1: Sorry for interrupting yeah. you, but when we talk about domestic abuse or alcoholism or drug addiction or or maybe adultery. We still have a situation in Ireland. Now, I know England are trying to change their laws to make it like Ireland's, which I find unusual, but it's a no fault system, right? Which means the judge that's right. is not meant to take into consideration why the marriage broke down. So it doesn't matter if your wife or your husband has gone off and had an affair with the whole neighborhood or he's an alcoholic or she's an alcoholic. It's irrelevant. Um, it's all about the assets. It's all about the children and that's it and the pensions and everything else. Why is that the case? Because obviously in some states, say, for example, in America, if, you have an adu- if you're an adulteress or an adulterer, um, you've broken the contract of marriage, so you kind of get very little and the, re- the other person gets everything. So why don't we have a system like that? Surely that's a fairer system.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that would be fair. I think what they're trying to do is make it not um, that's, that's necessarily equal but equitable. Um, so it's not always going to be half-half. They're just looking at trying to sustain... As as much of a similar level of standard of living uh, as you had before as possible with um, two household expenses now and the same pot of money, possibly. Uh, But they do, they are looking at what's called the voice of the child. Uh, That's uh, very much being brought forward over the last few years, and that's putting the children at the center of all decisions being made. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's why they try to find a more equitable way and looking at. Yeah, well, know, a, a barrister did. A
1: barrister did once tell yeah. me the uh, the the money follows the children. <laughs> that was the line he used when it comes to divorce.
2: Yeah, I guess that that's that there could be some some truth in that. Yeah, um, you kind of focus. Yeah, I think there is there's a lot of um, there is a lot of progress being made, and, and eventually the hope is that Ireland will be one of the most modern systems because because divorce is quite new here. We're actually the country with one of the lowest divorce rates in the world, even though it's gone up by about thirty percent over the last two or three years. Um, but because we're looking at how have they worked around the rest of the world, what's working elsewhere, it's an opportunity for us to come up with a better system than anywhere else in the world because we're about to rehaul it. So that's okay. a big hope.
1: Do, yeah. is, is the system fair? Now, I know you're saying that we're going to do a rehaul on it anyway, but uh, and maybe that's very much needed. People will argue, and I've often done polls on it, we've talked about it on the daytime show and on the nighttime show, in relation to how fair, and I would ask people to come on, obviously not to talk about their individual case, but how fair the system was in their situation. And a lot of people would suggest it's kind of loaded towards women. Do you believe the family law courts or family or divorce in general is fair, equitable, or is it biased towards women?
2: Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to comment on that because you know because of I don't want to go into the the male female bias area. Mm. Uh, and each case is going to be very unique, so it's yeah. hard to say. And I know everyone's going to think, okay, I, w- I didn't get a fair deal here. But it looks like when 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 parties come out of you know court um, judicial divorce or judicial separations, um, most parties don't feel that like they got a, a good deal. Yeah, um, because it's really hard to get a good deal when you're having to um, divide the same pot of money. Um, and the same children out into two different households. Yeah. And it's very, it's often not gonna be straight down the middle because of mm. a variety of different situations. Um, usually because, you know, when one party might not be close to the school, of the children, they don't want to upset by moving them out of the, their current house. They're trying to keep life as stable as possible to the children. So one of the parties has to move out. Uh, it does tend to usually be uh, the man, but not always. Um, and then you don't always get to keep the house. Sometimes it does get sold, um, depending on all the different situations. But it is kind of hard to say, oh, it's not fair for men all the time um, because of each person's individual uh, situation and because of the situation for the children is mostly what they're looking at.
1: Now, you kind of focus in your line of work, you know, in the coaching, on, I suppose, the pre-divorce uh, or pre-marriage courses for couples. And counselling. So w- w- I understand what pre-marriage counsel is, and it, it, you know that's obviously preparing people for the institution of marriage and what it entails and the sacrifices you have to make as a human being, and all of those things to prepare yourself. And people have often said to me before. A solicitor once said to me, he said, uh, "You know, when you're going to buy a car, you'll sign an awful lot of papers. When you're buying a house, you get a solicitor and sign an awful lot of papers. But when people get married, they just walk into a church and do it." And he said it's the biggest decision of your life that it's probably going to cost you more than anything else if you ever end up getting divorced. So in saying that we need to prepare ourselves for marriage. But when you coach people for divorce, how do you do that? How do you coach them? Are you preparing them for the possible outcomes?
2: Yeah, well, well, if I'm preparing them for marriage, first of all, I explain to them uh, what they need to think about before they get married. Because there's so many areas, especially cultural backgrounds, how you celebrate different events in life as a family, like family backgrounds, family past histories, um, because you know, if there's been a history of abuse or risk of control, um, sometimes that can come back when the, parent, when the person becomes a parent and they look back at their own role models in the past, um, how they might start to react. Or if they go into situations of stress, like we had during COVID, they go back to their safe place, which is whatever happened in their own home. And a lot of personalities changed during that time because they went back to where it was safe when they weren't feeling safe. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that that needs to be looked into. Uh, What do they expect from their partner as a parent, as a wife or husband, how do they deal with money? You know, usually they have different money stories from their past Um, and that a lot of divorces happen because of money or because of parenting differences. So I feel that having been married myself and done the the pre-marriage course myself, there's a lot more that needs to be delved into um, a little bit deeper there. Yeah. for couples to understand each other first before they go in, agree the boundaries, agree how they're going to behave and what what's going to be important to them.
0: And so, do, you, do you think people
2: jump into
1: marriage? Tough. Do you think generally speaking we jump into marriage too quickly?
2: I, I don't think necessarily too quickly, but I think there's a lot of areas that don't get discussed that people will realize later um, are very actually quite important, like those like those cultural norms or um, how they celebrate like for some person. Celebrating and having a big family Christmas is important, whereas the other person didn't do that, you know, or they spent yeah. a lot of gifts and the other person didn't do that. And, and then you kind of come up against different uh, – what you need to also look at is your values, right? So usually when people get married, because they have a lot of similar values and, um, and that brings them together. But it's important to explore that and to understand where they are similar and where they're not. Um, and also to understand how much space you're going to give each other as a couple. In terms of living their own life and their own dreams as well yeah and that comes up more later once children are around and there's less time for that um mm-hmm. and as as a men and women go through their um uh, go through their own life crises at different stages yeah so for example, during perimenopause or menopause for women, there's a very different a change in hormones that causes them to rethink you know where they are in life. Yeah. Um, men have their own stage where they they go through all those reviews. So it's about how are they going to help each other through that and where are they going to yeah. have other. Yeah, And as human beings, them. we all
1: go through this kind of midlife crisis, don't we? I mean, that's, that's why it. divorce yeah. tends to happen. I, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, but divorces tend to happen in and around the, between 40 and 50 years of age. And it's probably because people reassess their lives kind of somewhere in the middle there, do they?
2: They do, exactly. You know, they, they start going, hold on a second. You know, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought my life was going to be here, and it's not. And, you know, they kind of go into a bit of a tailspin. Yeah, um, and start behaving in different ways, and that upsets the family norms, and they have to reassess and, and come back together and uh, go a new direction, basically. So you're not going to be the same person the whole way through, and it's about giving each other space and reviews during those times.
1: What's your thought on? You know, there's a lot of conversation at the moment about the legalization of prenuptial agreements. Um, it hasn't happened in Ireland, although a judge can look at it and take take you know ruling from it, but they're not legally binding. What's your What's your views on prenups?
2: for them, Mm -hmm. um, because people would have, if people are getting married later in life, they might already have, well, in the past, maybe not now, have already been able to have their own little space uh, Mm -hmm. for themselves or put some money away or done something. And so they could, and also when it comes to family farm, for example, that's been a big thing in Ireland, um, inheritance of farms and what happens during divorce. So I think and putting a little bit more around that, which could be helpful. Obviously, it's a contention when you're coming to marriage and you say, do not actually, I want to ask you to sign this prenup.
1: I know. But, <laughs> if um, somebody says I, that, it's kind of doomed from the start. What do you mean a prenup? I do you don't think it's going to last? <laughs> yeah.
2: And then there's always ways out of prenups. Like if you look at, uh, you know, across the states, having worked with some people over there as well, there's, there's, the prenups have to be, very, very strong because there's always a way around them. So, okay, know,
1: it's there's how loopholes it's written as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, when you say you also focus on, I suppose, pre-divorce. We've talked about pre-marriage, pre-divorce. Uh, obviously, preparing them for the trauma that we've spoken about and what's going to happen in the courtroom. Do people have? the wrong expectations of divorce? Like, do they have this this thing in their head, right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make sure she gets nothing, or vice versa, she goes in <laughs> thinking he's going to get nothing. Do people have this idea in their head that they're going to have a load of time to stand up and tell the judge their whole story? Well, realistically, we know that's not what happens. and The judge exactly, doesn't really care.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, they do. They, they, they have a very um, misled vision of, of, of what divorce is like. First of all, it takes a lot longer than you think. Um, the way the partner is going to react to saying it can be very different to what you're expecting. Um, the judges don't really care about your story. Um, the, the, bar- the, the lawyers don't really, you know, the lawyers aren't there to be your best friends. Like, obviously, they're, they're, the reason someone gets into family law, I mean, it's a very tough business. Uh, it's hard to get people to pay you as well. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they get into it. Um, but they're not there to be your best friend or a shoulder to cry on. Um, they're there for the business of getting it of getting it through the courts uh, mm-hmm. in the best way possible for their client and that's why divorce coaches are work side by side with, with family law firms to take the emotional side uh, with the client and help reset expectations with the client so they're able to work better with with their lawyers mm-hmm. um, So it does take longer um, you can't expect the judge to make the right decision for you because they only have a certain amount of time to look through. Uh, really quickly, to look through the financial part um, and make some decisions. And they don't like making too many decisions when it comes to the children. They're kind of wary of. They don't. They you know what I noticed
1: that? in my own case? I can say the only thing that I read, my main observation is the judge doesn't really make any decisions. What they do is they force you and your barristers and solicitors and your opponent's barristers and solicitors to make the decisions for them. In other words, they're just there to referee the whole thing.
2: Now, that's really what it is. They they will throw it out of the court and say, go off and figure that out and come back to us in a few hours or another time. Um, so then you're back to... Running between one side of the room to the other side of a very crowded room, yeah. Um, and you know your your lawyers are there um, talking to each other, and you're both on opposite sides of the room staring at each other. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> and I wonder what lawyers are saying. Yeah. <laughs> and being and, and being forced to make quick decisions before you, before you go back in in front of the judge. So that's why trying to make as many decisions before you get into the courtroom um, is the best. So
0: or,
1: what or the judge the really wants is for you to make the decisions, you to do the divorce, and they're just going to sign it. Obviously, as long as they believe it's fair. Um, the other thing as well, exactly. the other thing as well for people, I suppose, to talk about. Well, when or, or who uh, are the most popular for instigating divorce? Is it men or women? I mean, who, uh, from your um, experience?
2: Actually, actually um, it's mostly women. Um, okay. Close to sixty percent of women. And actually, in the high court, it's 84% of women who are instigating divorce. Yeah,
1: Right, okay. And that's probably because they're the ones left with the children in most cases.
2: Um, I can't say what the reasons are behind it. Uh, There's been certainly a spike since since COVID where, you know, the the, the women just sort of felt that the situation at home wasn't, you know, in the best interest of them or the children. And, um, you know, usually people don't take these decisions lightly. It's been ongoing for many years, and they've done what they can to fix it. Um, from the clients that I work with, uh, they tried really hard. They tried to go to couples counseling. They tried to go to mediation, and um, things haven't changed. And so they find that this mm. is the, the final thing they can do. And often the other party isn't willing to make changes. So either they ignore everything or, or they become a little bit angry. Uh, and make it very difficult. So those are the two different extremes. And the, mo- uh, the, the most common reasons
1: I, is adultery, I'm assuming, is probably up there in the, in the top three. The most common reasons for divorce and separation, I assume adultery is up there in the top three.
2: No, it's actually that they just, um, actually adultery hardly ever features in it. Oh, uh, it's go. just that they're very, they're just deeply unhappy and find that they would be happier. Um, that
1: surprises me. In
2: the same household.
1: That surprises yeah. me. I thought adultery would be up there at the top. Alcoholism may be up there somewhere as well or drug use. Alcoholism
2: it, it? does does ring through um, alcoholism, coercive control, narcissism, abuse is very much high up there. Yeah. Um, but also just um, falling out of love, um, you know, just being very unhappy every time they come home um, and just not wanting to deal with that anymore.
1: Yeah. And is there still that kind of shame? Years ago, there was a kind of shame around divorce and separation. We only had legal separation years ago. Uh, Divorce is only in since 1995, as far as I remember. And and by the way, it just scraped in, wasn't it? But the vote on the referendum was 51 to 49, from what I remember. Um, So is, is there still that kind of shame, that kind of guilt around divorce? It's
2: changed a lot, even in the last two years so very often in the past, clients would come on to the Zoom calls with me because I do everything on Zoom to give them as much privacy as they want. And that allows them to call, usually from their cars. Um, they, and they usually would keep the video off. You know, they just didn't want anyone to see who they were. Yeah. Uh, and even when I did the Divorce in Ireland conference last year, I allowed people just to, you know, either listen back if they wanted to or, you know, not have, not. I kept all videos off yeah uh, but more and more people are willing to speak up and actually they want group uh counseling now the gr- or group coaching so what they're looking for is they feel that they might be the only ones out there they're not they still don't know about how they who to reach out to and who to talk to about it um so they're yeah. looking for other people who are going through similar situations they can talk to so i've had retreats and uh, do group coaching now so people can support each other so there's a lot more demand for that which is interesting
1: I mean, also, I suppose after divorce, you you talk about post-divorce or recovering post-divorce. As I said, all right, ready for the start, it can be quite traumatic. You know, it's okay, I suppose, if they meet somebody else fairly soon and or probably in the five years it takes to get a divorce in this country, they've met somebody, and that's usually helpful. Helps you get through that difficult time. But for some people, that's not the case. They're lonely. You know, they're they're traumatized by the whole thing. It's like grieving. You know, you've lost your family. Uh, or whatever it is maybe not even yeah. your wife that you miss or your husband that you miss but you've lost your family you've lost that unit so that that's like a grieving process isn't it
2: yeah there's, there's different steps in the in the grieving process and you know it goes through um, you know be not not accepting that this is actually happening and then being very angry um, sometimes trying to patch it up and see if there's a way to make it work and then going through some depression and it can go round and round before you finally start feeling a little bit better about it. So it's about supporting them through that um, mm. and helping them see the light at the end of the tunnel. So where are you going to go? I, I actually start working on them uh, on this with them while they're going through the process of divorce. I look at, well, what can you control? What changes can you make in your life now? Where do you really want to go? So where would you see yourself in five, ten years' time? Uh, what would your ideal life be like? It's a lot of that life coaching piece that we bring into that and what can you start to put in place now so what do you actually need from the this divorce what what outcome do you need to help you t- take you there
1: because so many um, lives are so upset so by divorce particularly well. with there's children involved so many lives can be turned upside down by a divorce but do you think that yeah. most couples who get divorced particularly those with older children maybe do you think they do get on with their lives and, you know, they may not want any contact with the other person ever again, that's fine, that's their business. But do you think they can get on with their lives or do most get on with their lives fine and move away from that and just leave it all behind them?
2: Um, I there, there are people who, this, that's why I try and support people towards that. It's all about healing, forgiving, leaving that behind because you're not going to, because I still meet people who, who are still grieving and unhappy and moaning about their ex five, ten years later. And that's not benefiting them. They're not able to move forward in their own lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying to support them towards that. They're just still lost in the past instead of moving forward. Um, and you're only really hurting yourself. You're not really hurting that person anymore. Yeah. And, and also your children most likely too by, by staying in that space. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, most people do tend to, it does take a few years to mm-hmm. kind of move on, to recover yourself because it's like peeling back the onion. You've usually lost a lot of yourself, during the marriage, and you've kind of gotten a bit confused as to what you really want. Um, so even when you leave, where where you weren't happy, you need to know well what is going to make you happy, um, mm. and where do you need to go to that? And sometimes things can be difficult financially for a little while. So it's about patching that up, uh, working about around a career, so, on personal finance pieces too.
1: I, and I suppose people can be happier too because maybe there's a case of you were probably with somebody for 24 or 25 years and you probably should have got divorced 10 years previous to that, but you just kind of hung on in there as mates for the sake of the kids. And then when you finally do get divorced and maybe you meet somebody else, people have often said to me the second time around is better because they know what they want or they know what they've missed out on or they know the mistakes they made in the first marriage. So for the second time around tends to be better for a lot of people.
2: Um, It it can be, especially if they've taken some time out to think about uh, where it is they really want. So for some people, they actually are lucky and they meet the right person even before they, they finalize their divorce. Uh, for other people, they need a little bit of time out to make sure they don't make the same mistakes or choose, you know, mm. the same person that they were just divorced from. So it really does depend. And some people just need, like anyone leaving a relationship, a rebounder. Yeah. Um, you know, wear that revenge dress or the that revenge suit, and you know, go and find someone who's just going to make you happy for now even if they're not, like, the Mr. Forever or Miss Forever. Mm. Um, So, like, it depends on the person and what's right for them. Um, Some people just need some more space for themselves and want to live. They don't want to get involved with anyone for a little while.
1: Well, I know you're not only uh, an expert when it comes to divorce and marriage. You also provide employee assistance programs, HR policy, which is big at the moment, but particularly for diversity, equity and inclusion, and training managers and employees on career progression during big life changes. You also deal with bereavement, which I suppose for a lot of people is so difficult. People can carry bereavement for years, can't they, Mel?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's a similar sort of process, really. Um, that they're going through, and it's all about um, how are they single parenting. So even if you are parenting, or single parenting part of the time because the children are with the other person, it's uh, the impact that can have on your career, the impact going through all of the stress can have on your career, Um, So I work with um, corporations and with managers uh, because there's there's an increase in divorce rates now. Um, And how do they manage their employees through this? How do they reorganize their teams if the employee needs to take less work for a little while while they're going through this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also the employees, and I run support programs for the employees as well. And then we look at... How can we work um, some policy in? So looking at the bereavement policy, how can we extend that maybe to people who are going through um, separation or divorce? Yeah, uh, I know there is some rules coming through for people who um, are leaving an abusive situation where they would get two weeks of pay, um, and uh, even if they don't work for those two weeks, to give them a chance to set everything up, you know, with the courts. So that's yeah, thing I, th- I think people should moment. get a
1: bit of time off, particularly as well for a divorce as well. Um, it it can now some people want to throw themselves back into work for some people that works well that works well for me by the way when things go wrong in my life i I prefer to be in work. but for some people they like a bit of time out and i think there should be some compassion and understanding and i imagine most employers would have a level of compassion and understanding but, but, finally, yeah. uh, you and but also
2: they might want to take on a different type of work. So maybe they're really they're, they could easily do certain types of work. So yeah. It's about changing the type of work they do for that moment. Yeah, um, they can still do easily um, and then giving them more work later. So it doesn't they can just yeah um, they can just stay at the same level for a little while.
1: Uh, finally, of course, you're also an expert in diversity and inclusion policies. Um, and i I imagine in the world we live in now, a very changing world, of course you know, this is of paramount importance at the moment and is probably a minefield.
2: Yeah, and it's a, the rules are always changing. You know, they just um, changed some laws over in the US, for example, uh, in some of the states over there, and um, that's changed how some companies have approached diversity, equity, and inclusion, not only over there, but globally, with their approach to it. So it's interesting because we have a lot of um, international companies in Ireland that can also carry on and, and impact Ireland as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, look, you have a big event uh, conference coming up and it's on on Friday, November the 10th, and it'll be happening via Zoom. If people want to get more information, they can go to www.divorcecoachingireland.com. I hope I got that right. Uh, divorce. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> OK. And what what are they going to see at the at the conference? What's going to be happening at the conference?
2: So, so the tickets will go on sale next week. So it's not up on the on the site yet because I'm, I'm finalising a few of the speakers. But I have... Um, uh, an expert, uh, award-winning family lawyer, coming on to uh, discuss, you know, what to expect in the courts, mm. uh, top tips, and uh, to answer questions. Um, I have uh, my family wizard—that's an app you can use to um, share. If, if if people are having a very controversial divorce and and there's a situation, it's a it's a way to share calendars, uh, plan um, the overback children.
0: Okay. Um,
2: I have a financial planner to help people to explain how to plan financially um, during uh, and after divorce. Um, I have a child expert who talks about the impact on children at different ages. Um, So there's all different areas as well. I even have someone who talks about pet custody. Well, so what you know what—that's something yeah,
1: people don't talk about that at all. Who gets the dog?
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, and uh, the impact it has on pets if you shuffle them between households. So some people like, don't have children, but they have you A know dog. pets, yeah. especially dogs. Um, and so what happens to the dog? You know, so that's always also something that needs to be discussed.
0: The poor dog. Um,
2: huh? So there's all different areas as well of, yeah. of, that we're going to discuss.
1: Well, look, it sounds like a lot of information, by the way. If people want to go, once again, the website, www.divorcecoachireland.com. That's divorcecoachireland.com. Tickets will be available.
2: Divorcecoachingireland.com,
1: yeah. Oh, sorry, Divorce Coaching, Coaching Ireland. Sorry, I do apologize.
2: Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the
0: multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show.